Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sample Hour. I am honored to have this guest on once again. He is the co-host of a my one of my favorite podcasts on the air today, or in iTunes. I guess it's not really on the air, but on the net today, called the Urban Farmer Show. If you go to permaculturevoices.com and you click on podcasts, it's the first choice, the Urban Farmer Show. I am actually an affiliate of his course, Profitable Urban Farming. I highly recommend anybody that's really interested in getting involved in generating an income via um, urban farming or just small-scale agriculture, check out his course. Uh, I feel like I'm light years ahead for me personally. Like I'm not really killing it yet, but I, th- I feel like with this course, I have the tools to do so. Recently, this gentleman also released a book called The Urban Farmer, Growing Food for Profit on Leased and Borrowed Land. Um, there should be a link in the show notes, or if you go to the urbanfarmer.co, you can uh, check out his book and everything else he has going on. Mr. Curtis Stone. Curtis, thanks for joining me once again, my friend. Hey, thanks for. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, man, I'm excited to have you on. This time, it's like we know each other, so it's it's a lot different. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I just got your book in the mail. Um, Sweet. Been taking the course. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I'm definitely looking forward to it. But uh, nice. There's some nice pictures to flip through too, so you don't have to read it right away. You can just flip through the nice glossy pictures. That's nice. Yeah, I, I am a, a picture book kind of guy, so that uh, I'm just teasing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I I am too. That's why I put pictures in the book. I you know man, but visual aids are everything, man, and um and that's the thing too with uh you know something that's really been helpful with your course because I'm kind of you know taking it step by step. I think that's super cool about the course is with the videos and everything like that, the visual aids. But, um, you know, one thing that, you know, I know your book covers, that is something that it's been really hard because with your, with your course, you know, it's really easy to actually get the microgreens going. Um, you know, we, we posted in the Facebook group pretty quick. I mean, you said you told us to do a couple different things, which is really easy to adjust. And we've been yielding really well. We got really used to harvesting, but Getting customers, man, is uh, yeah. That's that's the trickiest thing. That's the trickiest thing, and and that's been the thing that's um and that's really what your book really kind of focuses on is marketing and just kind of the business planning aspect of that. Correct? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I talk about production and stuff, but but I don't talk about compost and soil and and all that kind of stuff because it's been talked about so much before. Yeah, there's there's so many books on that, and I think for the the nitty gritty. And one reason why I really like hearing Diego's podcast as well is because you talk about, you know, the business aspect of it, which, you know, a lot of things you don't hear in, in you know, in, in growing food and in the permaculture community, which is, you know, you got to pay yourself for your time. Mm-hmm. And uh, otherwise, you just spend a lot of time doing things wrong and, and really being frustrated. And uh, I, I think for me, man, it, it's been it's been fun. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's been tricky because, you know, I, I am definitely doing this from 
a perspective of you know I have a I have a good full time job, but you know I want to have I want to have that side income to bring in, and it's been tricky. Like, and I've been really trying to try to network and get in where I fit in with the microgreens. And the, and the the biggest thing that I've been having, man, is everybody was like, oh yeah, we love them. But then no orders are being placed. I'm like, man, I know I could try to hard close them, but I don't really know if I want to. I really want to build a relationship with these people and make them be yeah. like, like comrades. This isn't like me at work just getting a phone call and being like, okay, I can close them on site. But it's like, you know, it's you know, there's some nurturing there, and I think it's um, it's also been tricky too. Like uh, like really, I gotta, I figured out I really need to arrange some time to make sure I can get there in between two and four. And then just go there. But I think you know, the market for restaurants here is really good. But the tricky thing is just, you know, getting it's it's like getting my the microgreen samples out to enough people to where eventually you start getting yeses. And I'm sure that people that like them will place an order eventually. But it's just like the that's that's kind of it. And I think it's mm-hmm. and so um so that's that's what I've been dealing with. You know, I like I find the best way to just get into a market. Uh, my my immediate impulse when you say that is is that you should just start doing farmers markets. Yeah, you should start doing markets and you know bringing start with three hundred to five hundred dollars of stuff and then see how that goes. Because what you need to do is just get people eating your product. Yeah, and then people go, oh, I know a chef. Oh, I know somebody. I know somebody who works in a kitchen, or I work in a kitchen, or or whatever. I think that's the best way to do it. When when I I, I totally owe. Um, the fact that I sell mostly to restaurants on my farm be to the fact that I had a pretty strong market presence for a number of years. And I got to know a lot of people that way. And I got my, my name and my face out there and my product ultimately. And that's where that's the best way to bring people to you in sort of a passive way. It's not passive, but it's more like it's a, it's a net effect of what you go out. Cause then you can go out and make money right away, get some cash flow happening. Yeah. And then you're going to meet people in the process because the best way to meet people is through business. Like if you the people you want to do business with, the best way to meet them is through business. Not so much like, oh yeah, I got a friend you meet at a party or something like that. Well, that, that can be part of it too. But, but mostly it's going to be through business because people are going to see your product and like you and, and then they'll hear your story because when people shop at farmer's markets, they want to hear what the farmers are all about. And I, th- I think that would probably be your best step in that regard yeah that's a that's a good point and i and i think even um i think hustling at work too i think like you know a lot of my friends used to work in restaurants and and actually that's been so and um and so that that was kind of um and that and i was just kind of using that as an example just because i think it's like it's it's good to be prepared for everything and that's something that you always say and it's it's you know when you when you get started in this be prepared for worst case scenario so and i think and that's been like something too that like i've applied that in other aspects of business man and um super uh yeah i'm super looking forward to reading your book man i uh i got it and it's like man it was like it was the uh it's like christmas has come early because i i pre-ordered it the last time we talked i'm like man i can't wait to read this uh and uh and i think too like the this i'm looking forward to is to the like the chapter on spreadsheets Mm-hmm. Really getting organized with that because I think a lot of people mess up with business in that sense as well. Yeah, they definitely do. That's why I did a chapter on it. There's also I'm I'm happy to say now too that I have all of the extras uploaded to my website. So 
Um, if anybody buys my book, whether they get it from me or Amazon or whatever, they can. There's there's references to extra stuff because I I basically wrote too much stuff for that book. I yeah. I already I already went over my contract, and my publisher was super cool to work with and understanding that they were like, yeah, no problem. We'll make it you know twenty pages longer than it was supposed to be, and then you know make space for all these other things. We doubled the size of the photo section and. They were they were really nice to work with in that regard. But anyways, the stuff that we couldn't fit in the book physically, we put on my website. And so if you just go to my website, theurbanfarmer.co, and go to book, you'll see it. You can buy the book there, and then there's also a thing called free extras. And you can just go in there. You just kind of pretend you're going to buy it. It doesn't cost anything. And then you just download it. It downloads right to your computer in seconds. Sure, it's just a bunch of extra spreadsheets. There's a fresh sheet example in there. Which that's it, that's super handy. That took me a while to figure out how to make a good fresh sheet. I feel yeah, like I'm still struggling. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's simple once you see an example of it, then you get it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And that's um, that's awesome, man. So making a book, man. Um, I think this is really cool because I think a lot of people get really good at something, and then it's like, so what do I do now? And I think like, you know, I I really like. I'm I'm grateful that we're friends, but also like I really like ta- like like taking advantage of the fact that like of studying what you've been doing because one thing that you're doing is like for me we talk about this a lot on Facebook and we talk about this I talk about this with a lot of different guests it's just the way the economy is going you know the, mm-hmm. the, the economy is changing quite a bit and something that I think is super cool is you started out like really owning your space in your hometown and then you started out really taking advantage of that, leveraging that, owning your space on the internet. And then it turned into, you know, you know what, I, I'm going to do this course. You and Luke did the course together. And then it's like, you talk to Jim and Jim's like, let's write the book. And I think, um, I think it's, it, it's awesome because it's always like a, it's always like a challenge. And now it's like, and, 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 and I think like just seeing the evolution of you and business and how, and, uh, and, how you've been doing that. So what was like when you, when you first started undertaking the process of writing this book, what was like the biggest, like, did, would it, did it come pretty easy at first? Cause you already had notes or, or what was kind no, of the process? Yeah. It, well, it was, it was outlining basically outlining and outlining and outlining. And I forget. Well, I think I'd talked to other authors, you know, Jean-Martin, Fortier, who's a good friend of mine, he was the one that really kind of pushed me to actually write the book and then um, ultimately set me up with the publisher. Um, but I had a lot of advice from him. And I know a couple other authors, local authors in town too, and I really kind of pick people's brains about it. But it really, I got, I think the hardest part of writing the book was actually the first thing was the outline, was doing the outline. I, I, altogether, it took 18 months to write it. I think I spent, I spent about seven months outlining, and then, and w- w- that looked like basically I was just farming, because I, I got the talk to the publisher in March of last year, and um, they're like, okay, I gave them a synopsis. They said we like it. Send us an outline in October, and then, then we'll like decide if we're really going to go ahead. But I, I knew that they were going to go ahead. I felt really confident about it. And so I basically spent the growing season making an outline, but it was more like just kind of notes and a lot of stuff in my head. And a lot of, I do a lot of voice notes and, and sort of like the last 
three weeks before that deadline to submit them an outline, I basically just sat down and cranked it out. And then they said, yeah, okay. And then from there I started writing. And then um, just filling in the gaps, basically. The outline changed slightly, not too much, but but slightly. And uh, yeah, it was just kind of breaking it down. And the, the, the great thing about outlining was that it made it easy because, all, well, it wasn't easy. I, I, I worked at least 40 hours a week on the book once I started writing. So for the, the year that I was writing it, I was working about 40 hours a week on it. And so it was, it was, it was, a long, it was a quite a long process. Yeah, that's that's a lot of time, man, especially with the, the farm and then your other engagements and everything else like that. So, I mean... Uh, yeah, totally. And it was, yeah, there was times that it was stressful because I was, you know, I'm a procrastinator like everybody else to some degree. Yeah. And so, you know, you kind of push things off and then you just cram. Um, but I, I kind of do well in those moments, I've discovered, and I've kind of learned to accept that and just be like, that's my flow. I'll kind of, I'll really kind of hypothesize and think about things for a long period of time and I'm kind of like putting together the pieces of a puzzle loosely and then I then it comes to like say I got 20% of my time left and I just go I just go into beast mode and I just crank it out and I put in huge long days and just one then I then I I find my my groove there and then I just yeah just do it now um how did writing the book like do you feel like when you when you put that outline in and uh, really started going through the process of writing the book. You feel like that really helped you tighten up your existing business that you were kind of basing the oh, book on? Oh, yeah, totally. That's a really good question. Um, and I, 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 I actually, it's funny you mentioned that. I thought of that recently, and I realized that it totally has. I feel like when you get, when you want to get better at something, like you can, I feel with some things, there's a certain level, there's sort of a glass ceiling you can hit as far as, the technicality of how you implement things on the ground, like say on the physical sense. And then to, to take it to the next level, you need, you do need to go a little bit past that into teaching it to others, because then what you can do is you, <laughs> use people as guinea pigs in a way yeah. you can, you can, not not literally, but you by teaching people and hearing about other people's experiences. Because I teach thousands of people a year when I go on the road and stuff, and you talk to, I meet thousands of people. I've met thousands of farmers around North America, and you hear their stories. You hang out with them, and I I do I do a lot of consulting. Um, I'm working every week consulting. I have this whole this whole entire year actually, and. Um, I've learned a lot from the people that I've worked with and I've learned how I can adapt these systems to different situations. And that's where it's really accelerated my learning process of how these things can work. Because then now I've been able to play test it outside of my comfort zone, outside of my town, my market demographics, and my bioregion for growing. So I get to try it in all these different ways and that's really helped me um, learn more and and become a lot better at it no that makes perfect sense and 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 i think that what i was trying to say earlier too when i was like piecing things in my brain and my brain just decided not to work and think of this word but it's like it you've really mastered duplication like duplicating your efforts mm-hmm. and it's 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 and it's and and i think like really that's what you're saying like writing this book really helps you kind of get down to duplicate but then with your consulting, think of it all, and then it's like, okay, 
now it's like a challenge every consulting okay now i have to duplicate help try to help this person duplicate what i've been doing but then apply it to another market and really learn their market because it's going to be different than mine yeah well that's the thing that's kind of neat though it's not necessarily duplicating it's like it's finding commonalities yeah. and just and learning again it's like learning it's it's like i'm starting again because i'm going okay here's a whole new set of challenges and what can I, how can I use what I've already learned to excel at this challenge? And so, you know, not everybody I consult for is urban. Actually, I don't, I'm just trying to think. I have maybe two mentees that are urban. The rest of them, by a, by a long shot, are rural farmers. And they're, they're, just, they're, using, they're using small scale intensive techniques and often, They'll have animals and they have other things on the farm as well. So that's been cool because I've learned a lot about all these different kinds of circumstances as well. But, you know, it's not necessarily me duplicating what I've done. It's kind of taking the things that, that would, might work in their situation as well, but not everything because not everything will work across the board. I can't, I can't take a farm, a rural farm, and just say, let's go greens. You know, some people I've consulted for are down in the deep south in the U.S., and those growing climates don't they don't um cater to that kind of growing growing leafy greens in when you get 120 degrees fahrenheit in a summer like it doesn't really work so you have to you have to improvise you have to try other things and kind of tinker with the the production systems and the marketing to see what's going to work and then when you get a catch going with that and then kind of focusing down and and honing it as you go yeah. Now, so when you do the small scale, I mean, and you, and you do consult with these people, do you do you tend to because they might have a lot of land, and there's you do you really say, okay, let's start at like a third of an acre. When we get good at that, we'll start slowly expanding. I like to do that now with with people because you know it. it well, m- well, for for one, most of them kind of want that because a lot of them, in most cases of people that I've worked with and do work with is they're trying to scale down. They're trying to make more money, but they want to downsize their production because they have too many things going on. This is, this is the number one thing I see that's the biggest failure with experienced farmers. With newbie farmers, it's something else. But with experienced farmers, the common failure is that they just they want to be superhumans. They want to do everything, and they want to save the world and, and feed their family and make money and, and do all these things. But then at the end of the day, they're not making money because they take on too much and that doesn't allow them to really focus on the things that, that would probably be more profitable or the things that they want to do. So if they're coming to speak to me, it's because they're interested in, in quick-growing annual high like cash flow, flow crops. That is, right? So that's, yeah. that's why we're working together. And so it's you know, taking a bit of what they're already doing and implementing some of this stuff to get some cash flow and uh, it's worked. It works for everybody. It's you know, it doesn't have to be the exact same thing that I do. It's somewhat like it, but it's catered to their their own needs and their own market. So in the south, because I mean, for me, like I'm really focusing on you know those leafy greens because that was something when we were at the farmers market that we we crushed it the most our first week because we had the most leafy greens. Yeah, and then we were trying to grow all this other stuff for like. And this money just isn't coming in. People don't care about this, but people really like that salad. 
Yeah. And that was like a really good experience. Like, and that's something I was, I, I always thought like, if you're in the South, like if that doesn't apply, like what, what are better crops that, that people would use in the South? Well, the thing is, for one, you can do greens in the South. Most people don't, most people think you can't, or okay. a lot of people I talk to think you can't. But it, but to answer your question there immediately though, it's, it's focusing in on the things that will do well. So summer crops will do well. But there's also a niche in summer crops. Like I know down in uh, in Memphis, down in Tennessee, there's a lot of farmers in there won't grow certain tomato varieties or they just don't get the yield because they have major disease problems. So, you know, a solution to that is grafting, is grafting tomatoes, growing a tomato for a rootstock that's a disease-resistant hybrid, and then grafting on whatever else you want to graft on, just like you can with fruit trees. This is what this is what works in these kind of climates where you get these extreme diseases. And so there's stuff like that. And then there's also, um, you know, root crops, other types of veg that, that are, might be more traditional for diets down there. And I'm not, I'm no expert on, on what people eat down in the South. Yeah. But, but, you know, more veg, less greens. Having said that, greens are totally possible down there. The key is, and it's the simplest thing ever, is you need water. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you, Drew. So many farmers just don't water enough. And I know that might sound like um, heresy to sound to say in a permaculture scene to say you just got to turn up the taps, dude. But it's just it's true. Well, Most that don't water enough. And that was something we talked about in the first podcast because I was like, man, we get so much rain that like, we're getting rain now. I mean, this is going to be one of the highest years ever in Columbus, Ohio. But you know. That was kind of what we said, you know, you should always have, um, you know, you should always have irrigation because yeah. when it stops raining, what are you going to do? Well, and, that's it. I mean, and there are, there, there are places where there's, that's true and there's places that that's less true. Like um, in Quebec, in Canada, you can get away with barely irrigating in some parts because they get so much annual rainfall. They get rain in the middle of the summer, like twice a week, you know, there's consistent water for, for myself that's not even possible i'm i'm not that far off from a southern california desert in my climate so in order to grow stuff you must irrigate here and i find that's common for farmers that i work for all over the u.s is that they just don't water enough and so i'm not saying just turn up the taps and just that's it there's a there's a combined strategy there there's for one watering more but going with more of an efficient effective use of watering by implementing drip directly on the crop and it's also a bit of using season extension techniques a little differently than i would when i use season extension i'm using poly low tunnels and mini greenhouses and big greenhouses and covering it with plastic but down there you can use shade cloth you can use a 40 or 60 percent shade cloth put t low tunnels out on the ground and grow greens if you have drip irrigation as well you know you, your strategy is water heavily at nighttime have shade cloth. You might even have to water for 20 minutes during the middle of the day to cool the soil. These kind of things can work. So there, there, are, there are ways to do it. And it's, it's not just, yeah, throwing the taps. I mean, that's part of it. But a lot of people in the, I find in the small farming and regenerative ag space um, just don't like to hear solutions like that. They want to hear, they want to hear like a Jeff Lawton solution that's like, which, hey, I love, don't get me wrong, I love Jeff Lawton. Um, 
but it's more like make a food forest and then make a, a an overstory and an understory and and have this really complex ecosystem thing that kind of just takes care of itself, which you know can, does exist in some ways. But as far as producing weekly vegetables um, for immediate needs, that's that's just not practical. So agriculture is a man-made creation. Agriculture is a thing that is the backbone of civilization. It is all about manipulating and controlling the natural systems. And I'm all for taking as much as we can from nature, but let's, let's not kid ourselves. Agriculture is a man-made creation, and it is all about manipulating conditions to be best suited for the things that we're producing, and that is a crop. Yeah. Yeah, abso- Absolutely. Um, and that, that makes perfect sense. I think it's really, you know, you can take as much, you know, if you want to, and it's something I was thinking too, like, I, you know, I have these rain barrels I'm probably not going to use and all this other stuff, but then like really just listening, you know, building my beds in a certain way. And so that they, they do, you know, harvest as much rainwater as they can, but mm-hmm. you got to have a backup solution. And I, th- I think that's just kind of itches. And that's really what you're saying. And, um, but, um, anyways, Curtis, we were, we were keeping this guy a little bit tight today. Um, so, uh, you're going to be on tour coming up here soon. Let's, let's talk a little about, about that because I know you've been doing a lot of book promoting. Um, you, one thing I read on your Facebook yesterday, you're like, you know what? It's so much easier to get stuff done when everybody else isn't working. Oh, so you- totally. The holidays. I love it. It's my favorite time just to work like an animal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I, I do Christmas and, and New Year's and all that stuff with family and friends. But, you know, I don't need two weeks off. I, I, I just came back from vacation. I had two weeks in Mexico. Before that, I was at some hot springs. I had, had lots of downtime this winter. And so the holidays, like, it's great. Just crank it out. But yeah, anyways, I am going on the road quite extensively. Um, I kind of wish I was doing more in the U.S., but that'll happen. Yeah. Um, we're, we got a, a very extensive tour in California. Uh, Diego Fooder, the, um, the Permaculture the, Voices, Permaculture Voices uh, founder and podcaster, um, we, I do a weekly show with him called The Urban Farmer. We're going to be on the road together in California. We've got like, man, there's a lot of dates. I think in total there's eight or nine cities and we're doing, you know, North and South California. If you're, if you live anywhere in California, you're going to be close enough to come and see us do uh, workshops and evening lectures, um, a kind of a variety of different things. And then uh, after that, I'm, I'm flying. I'm taking a long flight to New Zealand, and I've got a, a month tour there with Jean Martin Fortier. And then we've got a week in Australia, and then I go back to uh, San Diego for Permaculture Voices 3. Yeah, and hopefully um, this dude in Columbus can can uh, get get his shit together and get get with you to try to get you out to Columbus too. I don't he might I think I think people on this show know who he is, me. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully I'll I'll have that locked down. Well, I know we've both been pretty busy, but we'll get that oh, going yeah. too, but uh, oh, I'd, I'd love to come out there. And I mean the nice thing for me this I've I've got a pretty solid team of people um that i i can get away more now it's been really it's more difficult in the past this year i was really training mainly one guy to really run the show and and he can he can he's doing really well at that right now so i'll probably have opportunities to get out this summer i know there's already some stuff panning out hopefully more on the eastern seaboard i feel like i haven't spent as much time out there as i'd like to um particularly in the u.s because there's so many cool farmers out there and it, it almost seems like that's where the majority of them are. 
Yeah. Especially with, with small farming. It seems like out in um, New England and, and, you know, upstate New York and, and Vermont and Pennsylvania and in those areas, there's a lot of cool farming happening. So I, yeah, I really would like to get out there. Well, I know uh, Rob Kaiser and I are trying to get this cool farming and our, our peeps are trying to get this rocking and rolling in Ohio too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And uh, I've been meaning to meet up with Rob. I've been, it's just him and uh, Greg Burns. We've been trying to meet up, and uh, but I think uh, it, it's it's just been a it's been a fun experience, man. I think it, it was cool to be able to connect with Rob because of the course. That's and, cool uh, that Rob's out there. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. I forgot that you guys are both in Ohio. Yeah, he's not too Great. far from my parents, so um, I'm gonna link up with him soon. And uh, but uh, anyways, everybody, definitely check out Curtis's book. Get, get a copy. We we kind of touched on a lot of little things, but Curtis goes a lot into depth and. Um, Definitely check out his uh, check out the course too. There's an affiliate link on the on the site. We've talked about it before. Um, it's it's worth looking into, and especially if you want to do this part time, like you know, it's it's very doable, man. And I and I think it's it's been a lot of fun for me personally too, man. It's it's been really fun to have you and Luke and and the whole community as a reference to really be able to to you know lean on if something's not working or even totally. to even be able to help other people. Yeah, that community is key. It, it, it's really it's really crucial to find um, people that are on your same path because you really get into that collective learning type thing. And that's what I've tried to, that's what, what ultimately I wanted to do with this course is, is recreate that for people because I had that when I started. I went really, really out of my way to find peers and find people that were already ahead of me already like, or at the same level and just learn from them. And so I feel like we've done that with this course because there's there's people in there that are already becoming leaders. They're already the ones that are they're giving advice as well. And that's it's amazing to see that because every time you log in there and you and you see somebody's got a question, it's like people are beating me to the punch to answer to answer it. And that's 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 really cool to see. Yeah. No, I agree. It's 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 been fun. I think it it was cool to even have Scott hear us talk, Scott Hebert. I want to give him another shout out just because he's he's really killing it right now, and um, he just crushed his Kickstarter goal. Oh yeah, like and that's the thing too. It's you know, I it, it's funny because I almost hate saying it because I know in the end I'm just selling my course and what I do. But the, if you do, if you seek high grade information, like Scott has consulted with me, he's come to my place. He did a, a I did a day with him here. I gave him so much information that, and, and he was already in my course. He went back and just immediately was like A, B, C, D, just crushing all of his goals and targets because he had such a better way to approach it without all the guesswork. And that's the thing for me when I started. I had two years of really making hard mistakes. The first year was the worst. Got It got easier each time, but it's cool to see people that are just budgeting you know, sourcing high grade information and then just getting out there and doing it. They will make money right away. Like I just, I, I consulted with a, a farm this year on Bowen Island, which is um, on one of the small island chains in, on the Vancouver coast. And these guys had never farmed before ever. They'd never grown vegetables like commercially before. They had some gardening experience, but they took on a half acre and they did 40 grand in sales their first year. Yeah, I read that. That's and, awesome. And, they, and they're, and they're going to double that again next year. Because it's all about just getting these little production um, nuance things down, learning how to read the market. Because it's not necessarily about carbon copying what I do. 
it's about learning the, the, the process so that you can apply it to what you do. Yeah. And then that's how you get out and crush it. And you talk about that a lot in your book as well, correct? Totally. Totally. Yeah. So it's trying to get people to understand the, 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 the way of thinking, the, the, the way I'm approaching this. Like the, the methods are good, but somebody else is going to write a better book at some point. Somebody else is going to come along. Um, some young person is going to come along and, 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 and make this the next thing. You know, there, it's, it's all been a lineage of improving on the people before us, and that will continue to happen. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Curtis, thank you again so much for joining me, man. I really appreciate you. Uh, I know you're a super busy guy, so I appreciate you taking some time to uh, come on the show and talk again, man. It's always good to talk to you um, and just even talk about non, non-business non related stuff. We have a good time talking and uh, sharing videos and stuff on Facebook. So um, thanks again for joining me, man. Awesome, Drew. Thanks for having me. Yep, you're welcome. Back. That goes for all of us. There ain't nobody to trust. It's like sabotage. It's got me ready to bust, but I can't jeopardize what I've done up to this point. So I'ma get more guys to help me run the whole joint. Cultivate, multiply, motivate, or else we'll die. You know I'll be the master of the who, what, where, and why. See when you're shining, some chumps will wanna dull ya. Always selfish, jealous punks will wanna pull ya down. Just like some shellfish in a bucket, cause they love it. To see your ass squirm like a worm. But just as you receive what is coming to you, everybody else is gonna get this too. I ain't no saint. 
Therefore I cannot dispute That everyone must meet their moment of truth Actions have reactions Don't be quick to judge You may not know the hardships people don't speak of It's best to step back and observe with coupe For we all must meet our moment of truth Sometimes you gotta dig deep When problems come near, don't fear Things get severe for everybody, everywhere Why do bad things happen to good people? Seems that life is just a constant war between good and evil The situation that I'm facing is mad amazing To think such problems can arise from minor confrontations Now I'm contemplating in my bedroom pacing Dark clouds over my head, my heart's racing Suicide? Nah, I'm not a foolish guy Don't even feel like drinking or even getting high Cause all that's gonna do really is accelerate The anxieties that I wish I could alleviate But wait, I've been through a whole lot of other shit before So I ought to be able to withstand some more But I'm sweating though, my eyes are turning red And yo, I'm ready to lose my mind But instead I use my mind I put down the knife and take the bullets out my nine My only crime was that I'm too damn kind And now some scandalous motherfuckers wanna take what's mine But they can't take the respect that I've earned in my lifetime And you know they never stop the furious force of my rhymes So like they say, every dog has its day And like they say, God works in a mysterious way So I pray Remembering the days of my youth as I prepare to meet my moment of truth. truth. Yo, I got one lyric pointed at your head for start. Another one is pointed at your weak ass heart. Now, if I pull the trigger on these fully loaded lines, you're gonna wish I would have pulled a black nine. I'm Mac Dimes, crack the spines of the fake gangsters. Yeah, the biting trifling niggas and the studio pranksters. Yo, looking at the situation plainly, will you remain G or will you be looked upon strangely? I reign as the articulator with the greater data, revolving on a task and much doper than my last jam. While others struggle to juggle tricky metaphors. I explore more to expose the core A lot of MCs act stupid to me And we have yet to see if they can match our longevity But anyway, it's just another day Another fake jack I slay with my spectacular rap display Styles smooth but rugged, you can't push or shove it You dig it and you dug it, cause like money you love it The king of monotone, with my own throne Righteously violent prone, my words bring winds like cyclones Storming your hideout, blocking out your sunlight Your image and your business were truly not done right Throw up your he now, divine saviors You got no hand skills, there's no security to save you No pager, no selling, no drop-top Benzie I came to bring your phony hip-hop to an ending My heart of war will leave you sore from the abuse Cause you must meet your moment of truth They say it's lonely at the top in whatever you do You always gotta watch motherfuckers around you No one is untouchable, no man is bulletproof We all must meet our moment of truth True, true